Hi everybody and welcome back to season four of Absolute Clarity, the number one travel management podcast brought to you by Clarity, your business travel experts. I'm your host, Kyle Daniels, joined as always by Pat McDonough, CEO of Clarity. Hi, Kyle. And we've got a special guest today. We've got Carlos Claro from CIB Visas. Welcome to the show, Carlos. Thank you, Kyle. Background into who you are and what you do at CIB Visas. Yeah, of course. So um, CIB Visas was, uh, was formed around about 30 years, well, just over 30 years now. Uh, started in the US, we decided to, to expand globally. The next market sort of uh, come on board was the UK. We then expanded into into Germany, into the Netherlands. Uh, we, we did so organically and, and through acquisition. And um, more recently, a couple of years ago, we identified our clients' sort of growing concern with the gray area between short-term uh, travel and long-term travel. Uh, the rules surrounding that, uh, in some cases, some of the penalties for overstaying or uh, not reporting certain things. So we decided to start offering a full immigration uh, service. Uh, we now have a brand called uh, Newland Chase, and that picks up the mobility where uh, CRBT uh, visas stops. So together we have uh, offices in 25 countries and just over 1,600 uh, employees. And this allows us to offer a, a consistent compliance service to our clients across uh, all of these markets. I, I'm the MD for the UK. I lead the short-term visa business. Uh, I'm involved in uh, pretty much every aspect of, of the business. I guess two of the things that are quite relevant for, for what we're talking about is, uh, and I spend quite a bit of time doing, is ensuring customer satisfaction uh, that our targets are achieved. We have these uh, per consultant, per team, per office. And uh, I think the important bit is ensuring that we have the, the training and, and the, coach, uh, the coaching required to, to assist the consultants to, to realize this. Also work very closely with the account management team. The current structure means that our account managers report directly into myself. So I work with them to ensure that, 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 that clients are happy, but more importantly, uh, listening to, to, to what our clients are saying and ensuring that our, our service remains relevant. It's clear that a number of areas within the travel industry have been hit massively by this. How has it been for you guys? Yeah, I remember the first time I heard about coronavirus. We're, uh, I was in Amsterdam at our EU leadership kickstart meeting for 2020. So this is the third week in January. And so it was towards the end of the day, we, we were on a break and we came back into, into the room and the agenda had changed. And the, and the two members of the exec team that were there started talking to us about this. And so we um, cater for travelers going to visa destinations. And for us, China is, is, is a big travel lane. So we um, saw the numbers start dwindling through February. And I remember being at the business travel show and um, at that point, everyone was still referring to it as a problem that was happening somewhere on the other side of the world that eventually would get sorted. And, and to be honest, we thought pretty much the same thing. However, as soon as you know, it impacted Italy and uh, they started locking down, I think the writing was on the wall for everyone. So uh, very shortly after that, we, uh, you know, embassies closed and the amount of visas we were doing were, were were very small. So the, the only two embassies that actually stayed open throughout this uh, this whole thing were actually South Korea and Taiwan. So we were able to assist clients with those. And 
sort of halfway through lockdown, we could also access the Chinese embassy uh, directly. But the business was was significantly impacted. We never we never actually closed our offices uh, completely. Uh, at, at the height of lockdown, we still had someone going in twice a week, making sure that anything was sent over by post was collected and was sort of put into the safe, and the clients were were, were contacted. But um, but overall, uh, uh, the people we were required were were at home working. We switched over to that quite quite easily. Uh, only twice a week was someone going to into the office. Uh, as the demand grew, there were more people coming into the office. Uh, at, at this point in time, we, we have had to, the demand has grown to such an extent that we have had to unfurlough a couple of our staff, which, which, which is great. I think similar to, to the rest of the travel industry, we're now just waiting to, uh, to, for the new normal and ready to start working with, with our clients again. And how have you found the homeworking aspect of this? Because for a lot of people before this, homeworking would have been a necessity, out of necessity, wouldn't it? So you would have either worked from home because your, your children were poorly or you're waiting for delivery. Whereas a lot of people have really taken to it and businesses have, have rightly changed the, the tone on it. What's it been like for you guys? It's a, it's a really good question. So as a business, we have always processed visas. There's always been physical paperwork. There's been passports that arrive at our office that need to be checked and then need to be you know, uh, sent to, to an embassy so that the actual visit visa can be issued. With, with this, we have identified a number of tasks, competencies that can be carried out f- from, from home. So as, as a business itself, it has changed the way we sort of uh, approach it. Some people adapt to home working better than others. Um, there's been a lot of training around that within the organization. Uh, overall, it's, it's, it's been a success. You know, our call response time has, has improved and we have been able to can continuously uh, service our clients and make sure that everyone is assisted as they require. It's not one, isn't it, Pat? Because you're seeing a similar thing over at Clarity with the response times improving. Yeah, the the time to answer is reduced. You know, we're getting to call very, very quickly. I suppose that's that's a consequence of demand being down significantly as well. But the work that your guys will be doing right now, Carlos, will probably be the most difficult work they've ever had to do in some cases, won't it? Because I guess the barriers to getting hold of visas and uh, and even passports right now are, are are kind of there it's quite quite difficult to actually operate in these circumstances isn't it it is it's more of a consultative approach um there there are still ways to do things not that we didn't listen before but it's about really understanding what clients are trying to achieve uh and and providing a a solution there you know there are things that are possible uh there's things that are not just purely because you know the, the embassies are closed uh People still want to get updates, find out, you know, when it will be possible. Uh, we keep on visiting these embassies on a regular basis to try and understand when they are going to be open for business. I think it is about the information and the quality of information that we have to provide to clients. And I think, you know, this is uh, something that we're looking to invest in, or that, that we've invested in and that we're now finding ways to put across to clients, not simply purely by getting them to phone us, but what would we be offering on our website uh, and how, you know, that information can be put out there for them. And if we're thinking about the the restart, uh, obviously it, it's going to be fairly gradual in most quarters, but um, things aren't going to return to the way they were, are they, in terms of things like visa requirements? It, it, it's it's going to be a more challenging landscape full stop. 
It will be. So we've we've already seen a couple of changes, and there, there are a couple of trends that um, that are going to be here for at least the medium term. So we've seen uh, previously issued visas being suspended. So purely because you have a two-year multiple entry visa, and that was granted to you under X criteria in December of 2019, that criteria, uh, there's additional criteria you now need to meet. So most embassies have cancelled all of these visas. Uh, many of the visa on arrival schemes uh, have been abolished. So um, just because, and this is all good to know, because a lot of travellers take things for granted, and this may cause issues, obviously, and and, and you may be denied entry. Uh, visa exempt travel is is less permissive. Uh, there's more complicated transit regulations. So uh, UK nationals have never really, transit has never figured into their planning. As a UK passport holder, uh, you're pretty much guaranteed that 99% of the time, if you are not going to cross or go through passport control, that you were not going to require any sort of transit permissions. Well, countries may now think you pose a risk as a UK national transiting through their airports. So this is going to be something that's going to crop up uh, often. There's going to be fewer visa categories available. So countries may want you to prove uh, or pass certain criteria every time you go and visit. So rather than issuing multiple entries, they may reduce that to double or single entries. There's uh, also uh, longer consular processing times. There's going to be additional paperwork. So it, it, it just stands to, to the reason that it may take longer to get a visa issued compared to what it was like before. So these are just some of the trends that we're picking up uh, f- from talking to embassies uh, and uh, that, that, that will you know, be around for, for at least the, the, the midterm. And naturally, because uh, in many cases, airlines' route networks aren't as expansive as they as they used to be, uh, and that's going to be the, the case for the foreseeable future. They're only going to stick to their key routes uh, to begin with. Transiting becomes more of a possibility, doesn't it? So, so I suppose you know, with those rules in place and that consideration, uh, again, all the more reason to to work with a specialist like yourself. Absolutely, um, and and a couple of services that we're making available to 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 clients where a embassy or the visa application process has uh, become vastly more complicated. We have a new guided entry service. It's a lot more consultative, high touch. Uh, and it, it caters for many times a pre-application within that country, uh, an assessment of eligibility. Uh, sometimes uh, there's there's official government documents that need to accompany that application uh, to the embassy, and so uh, there's additional consular logistics as well and rules. So this guided entry service is designed to assist travellers trying to get into these countries. We have that launched across all our markets for China now, for example, one of the first countries to, to sort of lock down, uh, one of the first countries sort of to, to come back out of it. And what they have is a, a, an essential traveller visa. So they deem essential travellers to be travellers that will positively affect the, the, the Chinese economy. That not may, may not be our definition of essential traveller, but it, it does mean that there's an initial assessment that we do on behalf of, of, of the traveller. We can then also assist with the in-country uh, applications for at a at a city level, municipal level, 
at a, at a regional level and at a state level. Once these have been issued, we then can resume our service in country and, and apply for the visa through the required uh, through through the embassy. And I think, you know, if anybody's ever wondered why we use a specialist visa service and, and we, we don't uh, do this in-house at Clarity, that there is pretty much your answer. These are not simple things to do. We work with specialists like CIBT because because they do this all day, every day. It's what they do. Um, and at times like this, when things get more complicated, exactly the kind of service that, uh, that clients need to, to defer to. So, you know, in in a funny kind of way, Carlos, I guess the 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 upshot on the other side of this is that you'll never be more needed, will you? <laughs> yes. Um <laughs> absolutely right. Uh, and, and 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 we'll we'll you know, as always, uh we're used to dealing with, with difficult situations where uh there's barriers to entry. Uh all we've had to do is adapt to what we do. Uh, in investing in our capabilities of getting information and then putting that information out there to to travellers. Now, um, if we go back to maybe simpler things, um, the, it's been in the news over the last couple of weeks that there's a, a, a serious backlog in the UK passport office uh, for uh, passport, passport renewals and new applications. I think it was, it was right. rumoured there were about 400,000 outstanding applications at the moment. That that's a bit of a, a an imminent challenge to anybody who is in that uh, no man's land where they they've got an expired passport or a soon to expire passport. What's the CIBT take on that? Yeah, no. So so those figures match with, with sort of what we what we understand is happening. Uh, we uh, as an agency we are allowed to submit passports on behalf of individuals. Uh, that is not open to us at this point, and that's primarily because they are dealing with this backlog. So the normal service that we would offer is unfortunately unavailable at this point. We we did visit the passport office last week. Um, it was mentioned to us that they were currently uh, opening the applications received in May. So the advice that they gave us was if someone needs a passport, the online process is probably the quickest way of getting a passport at this point. It's it's unfortunate, but I think running a skeleton crew during this lockdown, and so there's yeah they they need to catch up on that. So I guess a, a, an online application is a good deal more automated. Perhaps relies less on somebody being there to open an application and process it that way. Does it? That's it. And I, I, st- I used to be able to get an application in four hours or a passport out in four hours. It's it's going to be nowhere as quick as that. Uh, it's going to be a lot quicker than you know the uh, the post office service uh, that that you have, which normally is three weeks, but is is now running way way more than that. And from a travel perspective, Carlos, are you starting to see an uptake in those applications with borders opening? So we are, um, fortunately. So from the beginning of July, we've started seeing an uptake in applications. Like I mentioned, throughout the lockdown. Uh, and prior to July, there were only two embassies open. They are now 15 embassies open. So it, 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 first of all, we've, we've got the ability back to actually apply for a visa, which is something we didn't have before. Uh, it's now about getting that information out to clients, getting them to sort of understand that uh, and, and apply for visas. But yes, since, since the beginning of July, uh, we've, we've started seeing more and more applications come in. There's, there's a lot of queries, both on the telephone, both through email, uh, on email, 
people inquiring about what's what's the, the the state of play with this country, what's the state of play with that country, uh, what are the entry requirements, what are the re-entry requirements as well. Uh, as you said, that list has been published. That 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 that's been quite useful in that in that in that regard. So you know, we're we're tentatively optimistic that there will be some level of business come September. But I guess um, we we come into this just after at time of recording, um, just after the UK has announced that um, all travellers returning from Spain will have to go through fourteen days quarantine. Um, That's right. From a, a CIBT perspective, um, you know, a, appreciate uh, obviously the most important thing is 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 public health, and uh, and the government has to respond. But perhaps the the nature of the way. The news emerged over the weekend was was quite difficult. What what would you be looking for in terms of the ongoing management of of such a situation, just to make things a bit easier for for the traveller moving forward? Not everyone agrees with how many things have been done, but I think the, you know the government's primary responsibility, as you said, is to you know stop the spread of of of, of the pandemic. Uh, I, I think the only way it, it could have been improved was if there was some sort of warning or some sort of timeline that we could have worked towards that people could have made decision, uh, decisions on or would have at least allowed people to sort of leave the country and come back. But um, it's it's, diffi- it's difficult to say. Sorry. And, and do you – no, I, I, I agree. I think a little more warning, you know, outside of the weekend during normal working days and and potentially, you know, with a bit more time for people to respond the other side, so maybe – you know, bringing that into play from today as opposed to the Sunday may have may have helped. But do you think that that potentially it is only one destination, of course, and it's mostly a leisure-focused destination? We're talking business travel. But do you think that has an impact on the on consumer confidence on 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 the confidence of businesses to 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 for people to travel moving forward? It it, it does. I, th- I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think it's all about confidence. Um, you remember after September 11, um, that the, the initial bit uh, straight after uh, the, the issue with you know the downturn in travel was was primarily the the lack of confidence. It took you know a couple of airlines to come up with some really good specials etc. to kickstart all of that. Um, I think everyone was was hoping initially for for air bridges, and then it was travel corridors, and then this list of countries got published, and that sort of listed all the countries from which you could return from and not be be, be quarantined, and that and that was a good step forward for the travel industry. Um, th- this certainly has, has has knocked that confidence, you know, travelers' confidence a bit, as you said. Government's primary directive is 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 to to prevent the, the spread of the pandemic, and they obviously thought. That um, implementing this as quickly as possible was a was a measure that was required. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I think certainly I think it it will affect confidence. Um, I think the principles uh, that we discuss with clients and, uh, and we outline in our restart guide still apply. Um, be clear on the latest advice prior to travel. Uh, so know that and understand the associated risks. Um, but also understand what your corporate insurance policy covers, how that works. Um, you know, uh, you may be in a situation where the advice changes when somebody is in destination. That may 
or may not invalidate an insurance policy. Um, so, so understanding those things and and having the confidence that you understand the implications of various changes of advice, I think, is everything. And not necessarily to get spooked by the fact that these things are going to happen, more to understand what you do when they do. It's it's about the management and mitigation of risk as opposed to uh, the elimination of it, really, which I, I think is something that we've all got to get used to. And we're, we're coming up to the final question now. And it's something that we've asked uh, everyone that's been on the show, Carlos, and it was, what is something that you have learned during this pandemic and coming out the other side of it? It could be something personal you've learned about yourself or it could be something that you've learned about CIBT visas. Well, I think um, it, it was a difficult first two weeks of, of lockdown, but I think I got used to it after that and I think I made the most of it. And one of my biggest focuses was, was control. There's a lot of things that you can't control. Focus on the things that you can uh, and that overall will put you in a better place. Um, and there was there was there was a lot of things that I that I achieved during lockdown, which which I'm very proud of. And I think uh, you know, listen to the previous podcast with, with Pat. The one thing that I absolutely loved was the additional amount of time that I got to spend with my two and a half year old. It was great. There was there's moments there that will uh, that I'll remember forever that I would wouldn't have you know wouldn't have had if it wasn't for the fact that you know we were we we were stuck at home. So it's it's yes, there's been challenging times, but uh, but overall, uh, it's it's been good. I really can't wait for the time that somebody says, "Oh, I can't wait to get away from my kids." <laughs> everyone's <laughs> like, oh, "I love spending time with them and stuff," and then everyone's like, "I just need to get out." we're all there now, aren't we? We, we all have all that from time to time, but uh, but no, I think you're right, Carlos. It's those precious uh, moments. You're just a bit more time rich, aren't you? In in this lockdown yeah. scenario. Time rich is a good way of putting it, and and then it's how you use that time, and um, and yeah, it's it's been much appreciated. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Carlos, for giving us some of your time. Uh, we know how precious it is. Uh, so, thank you very much to Carlos for coming on the show. Thanks very much for Pat for joining me, and this has been absolute clarity. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Yeah.